PowerPoint. Do we have PowerPoint available? Um, maybe. All right. If we don't, that's okay. We'll just use a listening guide. Did everybody get a listening guide today? If you need a listening guide, would you raise your hand, please? And All right, looks like everybody's covered. Very good. All but you. We have one back here. Right here. Right here in the front. Look at there. Okay, anybody else need one? Thank you. All right. We're in a sermon series called Following Jesus. What we're trying to do is find out what it looks like to follow Jesus in our daily lives. What does it look like practically? I do want to welcome those who joined us by way of the internet. Thank you for being part of our listening audience, studying God's Word right along with us. Uh, you can download the same listening guide that we're using right here in the worship center at Eastside Baptist Church and just follow right along with us as we study God's Word. So what does it look like to be a Jesus follower. If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, Jesus was speaking and revealing himself to the disciples. Luke chapter 5, this great story about following Jesus. And so I'll begin reading in chapter 5 of Luke, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Okay, here we go. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now what Jesus was doing, because he had all knowledge, he knew that if he got out in the boat just a little bit, he could bounce his voice off the water and speak to a whole multitude across the hillside. He knows everything about everything, you see. So he didn't need a microphone like I have on my ear here. He knew all about the physics involved, and he knew he could speak and people could hear. It's an amazing thing. I've been in Israel. It's an amazing thing to stand on the Sea of Galilee and talk like this, and people can hear you all across the area. It's just uh, quite an interesting phenomenon. Of course, you read this passage of Scripture and you're standing there by the Sea of Galilee. It's quite an experience. I hope to be leading a group to Israel in a couple of years. Maybe you'd like to go with us. Yeah, it'd be a great experience for all of us. All right. 
So he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. And here's the parenthesis. We're fishermen, and we know what we're doing. <laughs> but did they realize they were talking to the creator of the universe, who knows all about fish and water and fishing? Nevertheless, Peter says, at your word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Now, to a fisherman, there's not much better that can happen to you than haul in the nets, and your fish are breaking the nets. I mean, to be knee-deep in fish would be really a good thing if you're a fisherman. So what happened? They fished all night and caught nothing, and he says one word, and the fish jump in the net. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now that's some good fishing. Can I ask you a question? Do you really believe that Jesus can pull that off? If he can do that, what can't he do? When Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Watch this. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. I'm calling you to a higher purpose for your life. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does that look like? in our daily lives. Now, when you're studying the Bible and you're wanting to draw truths from the Scriptures, one of the first things you do is make observations about the passage of Scripture. And so I have some that I've jotted down that I want to share with you. These are observations from the text we just read. First of all, the fishermen were done. The fact that they were cleaning their nets indicates that the time for fishing was over. They had basically given up. All of their resources were done, expended. They were at the end of their ropes. No fishing. We have toiled all night, Peter said. Jesus was always looking for opportunities to teach. Do you notice that? Here they are fishing. He's standing by the seashore. He says, push the boat out a little bit. I want to do some teaching. He was always looking for those opportunities. Here's the third thing I noticed. Peter was a fisherman, and he knew that the time for fishing was past, but 
he chose to obey the Lord anyway. There will come a time in your life where Jesus is going to speak to you, and you're going to think the time for that is over. And I advise you to obey him anyway. That's part of what it means to follow Jesus. Here's the fourth thing I observed. Jesus performed a miracle by causing this great catch of fish. It was a miraculous event. They toiled all night. They caught nothing. Jesus says one word, and boom, they fill two boats to the place that they're sinking. The Lord knows how to do that in our lives. He knows how to bring abundance out of want. Do you hear that? Here's the fifth observation. Jesus displayed his power over the natural universe. That is, in the natural universe, man's energy had been expended and accomplished nothing but one word from the Creator and everything changed. And everything can change in your life with one word from the Creator. You can be at a desperate place where you've expended everything. You've toiled and accomplished nothing. But one step toward Jesus and your life can be transformed by his amazing grace. You say, I don't deserve that. Does anybody? He's a gracious God who's able to do miraculous things and bring great victory out of defeat and bring great blessing out of great sorrow. He's able to do that. He showed his power over the natural universe, and it's not unreasonable that the one who created the fish should know how to command them to get into the net. He called those fish, and they came and got in the net. And the fishermen were blown away. Here's my sixth observation. Jesus was presenting his credentials to serve as Messiah of Israel and Savior of mankind. What he was doing was he was showing these disciples, hey, I'm not just a man. I'm the God-man. And if Jesus is, in fact, God, then he deserves to be followed. If he's God, then he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. If he's God, then he should have your full devotion, shouldn't he? He was displaying his credentials. Yes, I'm God and Savior, and I have the credentials to prove it. My seventh observation, Peter realized the significance of the event and he immediately became aware of whose presence he was in. Don't miss this. There were two things happening with Peter. Number one, 
he dropped to his knees in worship. He said, oh my goodness, Jesus is more than just a man. Only the God-man can perform a miracle like this. And he dropped to his knees in reverence. Notice what he called him. Lord. You know what the word Lord means? Boss. You're the boss. Here's the problem with those who don't follow Jesus. They think they're the boss. It's my life. I'll do with it how I want. I'll plan it out how I want. I'll have my own agenda. But when Jesus is your boss, you acknowledge him in everything, and he takes first place, not whatever's convenient. So Peter realized the presence of the Lord. Second thing Peter realized was his own sinfulness. What did he say? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Listen, when you realize the presence of the Lord, one of the things that hits you is, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful person. I don't deserve His love, acceptance, and forgiveness. I'm a sinful person, and if I got what I deserved, I'd be judged. Peter made that recognition. He dropped to his knees and confessed his own sinfulness. Uh, listen, he said, I am a sinful man. The biggest problem with people who don't follow Jesus is they don't want to admit that they're sinful people. Sinful people have no trouble realizing that Jesus is the Lord and he's the answer to their sin problem. And they want to follow him. But those who are not Christ followers have a real problem admitting their own sinfulness. Last observation. Peter and the disciples are growing in their faith. How do we know that? Because when they got to shore... It wasn't everything is normal, everything is usual, everything goes back to my routine. You know what happened when they got to shore? Put their boats up, forsook all, and followed Jesus. They were growing in their faith. And I think that's part of the reason Jesus performed the miracle, was to help them grow in their relationship with him. There are seven areas of growth for a follower of Jesus, and if you'll follow along in your listening guide, we'll talk about each one of these very briefly. Number one, the area of growth is in worship. The word worship means to attribute worth or high value. I want to ask you this question today. Are you, in your personal life, attributing worth and high value to Jesus Christ, or is He just somebody you know about? Are you giving Him a high place of honor and respect and reverence and worship? 
Is worship a priority for you? Because for those who are following Christ, worship is a high priority. They make it a part of their lifestyle. They say, this is important to me. Let me ask you this. What's more important than worshiping the God who created you? Is worship a high priority for you? Or is it just something, well, if we don't have anything else to do, we'll go to church. There's plenty of other things to do on a beautiful day like this, isn't there? We could go camping. We could go golfing. We could go out to eat. We could go to mom's. Or we can worship. For the disciples, worship was part of the growth that was taking place in their life. They were Jesus followers. And if you are a Jesus follower, worship will be a priority. Worshiping the Lord, attributing high value and worth. Is Jesus Christ real? Did he raise from the dead? Is he the Son of God? And is he worthy to be worshipped? And if he is, is he a priority in your life. Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. Worship is a priority. It takes precedence over other things in our lives. As a Jesus follower, I will grow in my worship. It will become more and more a priority. If God is of supreme worth, if I'm a Jesus follower, then I must surrender my own agenda, and I must embrace the direction, the will, and the agenda of the God I worship. It's not a matter of convenience, it's a matter of commitment. Here's the second area of growth, the Bible. The Bible, God's revelation of himself. It's ultimately seen in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Bible is God's basic way of speaking to us. He gave us his word so that he could reveal himself to, to us in a day-to-day -day relationship. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, worship is a priority, and I'm in the Bible learning about this God who's revealed himself as the creator of the universe and the savior of all mankind. The Bible. God will never speak to you in ways that contradict his Bible. As a Jesus follower, I rely on the Bible for guidance, for growth, for help, for strength, for peace, for joy, for comfort. Listen, when your mother dies, you're going to turn someplace for comfort. I recommend the Bible. Oh, there's so many comforting words in here. When you lose a loved one, there's comforting words. And they're words from God himself. The God who describes himself as the God of all comfort. You know where I learned that? In the Bible. So as a Jesus follower, the Bible will become a priority in my thinking, in my life. I will order my life around the teachings of the Word of God. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. 
the Bible becomes that priority. It's not a book that just sits on a shelf gathering dust. It's not something I just hear preached on Sunday morning. It's a part of my daily life. Number three, prayer. Prayer, communicating with God. It's the basic way that we speak to God. Prayer is the way that a Jesus follower expresses himself to God. Prayer is the way we learn to hear the voice of the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Following Jesus means I am going to hear the voice of the shepherd, and I'll hear him speak through his word, and I'll hear him speak in prayer. Prayer gives us an open invitation to talk with our Father, respond to Him with our thoughts and our words and our actions. You know, uh, prayer is a very private thing. I'm praying all the time. I'm driving down 27 saying, Oh God, help me get through this traffic. And I'm praying for every one of these right here on this pew. And I'm praying for you. And I talk to the Father about you. It's a very private thing. I have a prayer journal and I write down my private thoughts and express them to the Father. Write out my prayers sometimes. I have no trouble praying out loud. It doesn't bother me. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Him. Some people have a real problem praying out loud. And, you know, if I were to ask you right now to stand up and lead us in prayer, you'd probably faint. You don't want to do that. It's very personal and private. I want to try something. You ready? Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. Will you read this with me? You ready? Will you? You read it with me? Will you read it with me? Okay, here we go. Read it with me. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Congratulations, you just prayed out loud publicly. You just prayed the scriptures right back to God, out loud, publicly. It's one of the best prayers you can pray. It's already been stamped, approved by God. You think God might answer that prayer? Make me to know your ways, O Lord. You think He might answer this prayer? Teach me your paths. You think He might answer this prayer? Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. You think He might answer that prayer? He wants to answer that prayer. As a Jesus follower, 
I'm going to be growing in my prayer life, my ability, my freedom, my understanding of what it means to talk to God about the things that are going on in my life, to unburden my heart, to turn myself toward Him when I'm hurting, when I'm struggling, when I need guidance, when I need wisdom, when I need help, when I need strength, when I'm worn out, I can turn to Him and I'm growing in that relationship. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. Number four, service. Demonstrating Christ-like love by putting the needs of others above my own. Living out the gospel through acts of service. Service, you see, is an act of compassion. It sees a need and shows compassion for the one you serve. Service is an act of love. We love like Jesus loves us. And Jesus' followers are looking for those opportunities to love and serve other people. It's one of the things they're growing in. They grow in their heart's desire to serve the Lord and to serve others. They want to demonstrate His love. And so they're looking for those opportunities. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, You were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But, rather, through love, serve one another. If you're a Jesus follower, you're going to be looking for opportunities to love and serve people. Not just other Christ followers, you're going to do that certainly, but you're looking for opportunities to love and serve people who are in need. You're a person who's expressing the compassion of God and the love of God. May I just share with you how deeply thankful I am for a church family? For a group of people who, when my mom passed away, surrounded me in prayer and I knew they were praying you know how I knew it I could feel it I could literally feel myself being lifted up I could feel the heartache being lifted I could feel the burdens being lifted I could feel the sorrow being lifted that's what we do for each other We serve one another. We look for those opportunities. And when we know somebody's hurting, regardless of what's going on in our lives, we want to demonstrate the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Because we're following Christ. We want to act like He does. And so we put aside our personal preferences, and we love and serve one another. It becomes a priority in the life of a Jesus follower not something you really have to think about. You see a need? You know Christ would respond with compassion. Well, what about if it's my enemy? All the more important. Right? Can you say amen? All the more important. Respond with love and compassion. Why? Because I'm a Jesus follower. 
It means I'm going to be looking for those opportunities. It means I'm going to be growing in this area of my life. I want God to use me in those ways. Number five, giving. This is investing in and supporting the work of God's kingdom through the local church, through fruitful ministries, through mission outreach. Following Jesus means that I care about the needs of others and I give to support ministries that are helping people. Following Jesus means that I care more about people and the advancement of the gospel than I do about accumulating wealth. When God increases your income, do you think He means for you to just squirrel that away and sit on it? Now, He does want you to save for the future. He does want you to have an emergency fund. Yes, amen. But if He increases your standard of living, then He expects you to increase your standard of giving. Sure. If you're a Jesus follower, giving is going to be something you cannot keep from. And here's the reason. You serve a God who is a giving God. And He is so generous and gracious and kind to you, and you know that, and it just grips your heart, and you want to give. You look for opportunities to give. And you're expanding your giving. You're growing in your ability to give. And you finally figure out, there's no way I can outgive the God of the universe who has limitless resources. And you get to experience some of the most wonderful provisions from God. Because you're a Jesus follower, you're giving. And God just pours out more. I have yet to give a gift to the Lord and His work that wasn't returned to me many times over. Can anybody here say amen? amen? I have yet to give any gift to God's work that wasn't returned to me over and over and over. Not just financially. Sometimes he knows you need a blessing in a relationship, and he blesses that. And that's the way he returns it to you. Sometimes he knows you need guidance, and he gives you that. And sometimes you just need to be lifted up and encouraged, and sometimes he gives you that. But there's always a blessing that comes back to you many times over when you are following Jesus. Listen, you can give to God without loving him, but you cannot love God without giving to him. It's an impossibility. He's a God who gives, and as a Jesus follower, you're going to be a person who gives, and you're going to be growing in that, and you'll find yourself wanting more and more to give, and you look for opportunities to give, to invest in God's kingdom and God's work. Following Jesus means I care more about the advancement of the gospel than I do about accumulating wealth. Number six. Reproducing. This means helping others to become followers of Jesus. Following Jesus means that I'm going to be leading others to follow Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we become servant leaders. 
in our homes, in our churches, in our communities. We become servant leaders and we set the pace and we set the example and we want to help others come to follow Jesus. We want to help them know what it means to love Jesus and obey Him and follow Him and worship Him and grow in our faith. We want others to come right along. We don't want to see people struggling in their day-to-day life. We want to see them flourishing and thriving in their relationship with God. And so we set that pace and we set that example. Jesus said to the disciples, we just performed this miracle. Here's what He said, do not be afraid. From now on, You will catch men. You will help others become Jesus' followers. So what about you today? You growing in these areas? Growing in worship and service and giving? Growing in the Bible? Growing in prayer? Growing in your ability to influence other people toward the kingdom of God? Helping them just take one small step toward Jesus? Are you helping people in that way? What's your next step? There may be people here this morning who need to take this next step. You need to commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and become a Jesus follower today. What's a Jesus follower? It's a person who's been saved. It's a person who's a believer. It's a person who is a Christian. It's a person who's a child of God. We use all those terms interchangeably. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. It means to be a saved person, a child of God, a believer, a saint, somebody who's born again. We use all those terms interchangeably. That's what it means to be a Jesus follower. So you might be here today and you realize for the first time, hey, I've never committed my life to Jesus Christ. Listen, being a Jesus follower is not about joining a church. You can join every church in America and die and go to hell. This is not about joining church, not about being baptized, not about tithing, it's not about taking the Lord's Supper, not about any of those religious activities. This is about committing your life to Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you commit your life to Him. You become a Jesus follower. That may be your next step today. If you'd like to become a Jesus follower, I would love to talk with you after the service, right up here in the front. I'd be glad to talk with you about what that means. Here's another first step that you might take today. You're here. You realize maybe, you know, I I know Jesus, but I haven't been following him. I gave my life to him a long time ago, but, you know, to tell you the truth, I've kind of let things slide in my life. Put him on the back burner, and he's not been first place, and I'm not giving him priority, but today I want to do that. Today, my heart's saying, yes, I want to become that Jesus follower. Yes, I want to follow him with my whole heart. You may need to make a recommitment of your life to Him today. You can do that. I'll lead you in prayer in just a minute. We'll do that together. Here's a third possible next step for you. Maybe you're a person that needs to become a member here at Eastside Baptist Church. It's a great place to serve the Lord and to grow in your faith. You can grow in your relationship with Him. You can hear the Bible preached here. You can experience God's love and grace here. And you can know what it means to be a Jesus follower. You need a place to serve the Lord, and this is a great place to do that. So if you need to make that kind of commitment, 
Let me talk with you after the service, and I'll tell you what that means here at Eastside Baptist Church. I'd love to share with you what it means to be a member here at Eastside Baptist. Finally, you may never have been scripturally baptized. You know, that's a step of commitment. It says to everybody around here, I am a Jesus follower. It's a public profession of your faith. Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that might be your next step. Maybe you've never been scripturally baptized, or maybe you're like me. You got baptized when you were eight years old, but you really didn't know what it meant to follow Jesus. Maybe this is time for you to be baptized publicly, to go public with your decision to follow Jesus Christ. Let's pray about those decisions together. Would you join me, please? Father, I first pray for those who have never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to their hearts. You're the one who can reveal Jesus. You're the one who can change hearts. Nobody else here can change hearts, only you. So will you speak to us? Will you re reveal the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord of glory, the risen Son of the living God, the sacrifice for our sins? Reveal him even now. Dear Father, for those of us who know Jesus, but we've struggled. We've had heartaches and setbacks and difficulties and We've been confused and heartbroken and struggling in our lives. For those of us who've just put you on the back burner, it's time to come home. Lord, thank you for welcoming us home. I pray for those who need to make a new commitment, a recommitment of their lives to you today. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw those back to Jesus and help them to know sins are forgiven. The past is the past. They can live in your grace and power and experience your love and acceptance and know your forgiveness, know the leadership of your spirit. They can come back home and be welcomed by you with open arms. Lord, help them to know that. I pray for those who are struggling. Lord, would you just knock down every barrier Everything that stands between them and you, may they rush into your open arms now, guided by your Spirit, empowered by you, Lord. Would you do that, Father? For those who are considering membership, Father, I pray that you'll speak to their hearts as well. For those who need to go public and being baptized, Lord, you're the one who speaks to us and draws us to make decisions of faith I pray that you'd help each one by your power, by your grace. Help us as we make those decisions together. We all pray, asking for your amazing grace today, for your abiding peace, and for your unfailing love. Uphold us, Lord. Comfort us. Give us strength. Give us great assurance that you are in control. May your peace guard our hearts and minds. May we always remember our great Savior, in whose powerful and wonderful name we pray. Amen.